Salutations, greetings, and welcome to it. This is When Highbury Was Home, a Loud Boot Podcast presentation, and I am your host, True Story. Thank you for joining us on this here episode 26 of this little break that we take to look at all things Arsenal related. I pray you all, I pray you're staying safe and sanitized where you at. You know, it's been a, a trying week for us as football fans across the board, and I pray you just in your, a good mental space, you know, because it's been it's been taxing for us. You know, not many people understand what sports and football means to us, you know, what some of our, our favorite clubs mean to us. It's more than just a, a fandom that goes beyond me tuning in to watch a team or speaking about a team. No, it's an affinity that I have towards a team that I grew with, that I've invested my time, my efforts, my prayers, my my creativity into you know and for it to be something that i can't control it's a reality yet in the same breath you'd like to believe that the people who do have control of that entity respect what you put into it you know was something that we had a rude awakening as football fans to look into and have some insight to say you know what we should we should do better with the little bit of equity that we have the stakeholder that we have within our football clubs because those who do have more and who can exercise more sometimes don't have the same ethos in mind that we may have you know they may speak a certain game yet when they have to walk it we've seen how they walk and that leads us into that european super league shambles that we saw it's a debacle that has teams that a lot of us you know who are football fans will probably have affinity towards you know man city man united arsenal chelsea liverpool tottenham hotspur barcelona real madrid ac milan inter milan juventus atletico madrid you know they were looking to pull in two other teams and also have a qualifier in there for two other teams as well i guess psg and you know and bayern munich were saying they're not they're not inclined to look into that the borussia dortmund and the mummy i like the fact that in germany they fan owned you know partly and mostly to a regard most fans have a, most teams have a fan stake i think aside from rb salzburg or Leipzig so it's like one of those things where they have that in there that allows the fans to have a stakehold and then in France you have a thing where the ownership is, is a lot more old school you know what I'm saying in England you have a thing where you have owners that are coming in from being owners in America with their own sports teams that are in closed leagues you know and that outcry that we got from you know UEFA saying they'll ban the players you know they'll ban, they'll ban the players and the teams from the European competitions they'll ban the players from competing in European national team competitions and the World Cup and it's one of those things where the players in that regard would feel like okay why are we being slighted for wanting to be part of this well yes we'll be earning quote-unquote more money yet it's not worth losing out on the prestige that we grew up knowing football to be who grows up wanting to win a European Super League bro you know nobody grows up wanting to compete in that and it doesn't matter how much money you pay them at the end of the day it's going to be like some of these banded leagues we've seen you know where it'll do well to a regard i'm a i'm a cricket fan you know and you see something like when t20 came in it was so dope to think okay every nation will have a t20 league and they'll find ways to monetize this because brands who don't want to pay into one day internationals or even test events because they're longer they'd want to pay into a t20 event because it's one day it's quicker you know six hours we in and out and we still get value production and, and value creation out of it 
you looking at something like a, a, a Super League being in, in their creation, something like that. And I think they have to go in that vein and not try to overcomplicate the game and try to create something that's going to take people away from where they currently exist. Make it a thing that exists, okay, off-season in a cycle when there's no European competitions, there's no World Cup, there's no Olympics, you know, something with the moment I saw that, my creative brain went to developing something along those lines. I'm thinking maybe these people just don't have football in mind like that. You know, they don't care for football like that. It was great to see the fans protest the way they did and the way we did saying, we won't stand for this. For me personally, I was like, no parts of this. I'm no longer an Arsenal fan and I'm good with that, bro. Like the the, the, the curiosity in me would want to watch a game or two if this thing had gone through yet, I wouldn't be a fan of the football club anymore because that's not what I subscribe to football being, you know, because unfortunately me supporting that would mean i support that happening somewhere locally and that means one day when i own a football club here in my in my country south africa i have no chance of competing in a super league unless i buy my way into it quote unquote the way we've seen closed leagues be where you have to buy a franchise or whatever the case may be when they want to expand it you know so you can't you can't work your way up by the bootstraps and and build a football club with an ethos and that's the whole thing we buy into that's why fan a fan base is created you can't go buy a fan base bro it doesn't work like that. We've seen football teams in England like Chelsea and Man City buy success. If you don't buy a fan base, those fans aren't there 20 years from now if you don't continue to win. Arsenal fans who were at Arsenal before Arsenal were winning and with Arsenal when Arsenal were winning, when Arsenal aren't winning, we're still there. It's a fan base that is intrinsic within that, that fabric of the football club. You don't buy those things, bro. You don't sell those things. You don't trade those things. You trade on those things, yes. You go sell marketing and, and you get all that other stuff and you sell us t-shirts and all that stuff. You trade on those things. You don't sell those things because you don't know what they cost. You don't know the value of those things. So that's disgusting to see, man. For the broadcasters and all the rants we saw, it was nice to see to see that, okay, yes, their money is being, is being compromised in, in this conversation saying, okay, if this goes through, then you as a broadcaster don't get the revenue that you once got, you know, because this closed league would go and negotiate a contract with an online broadcaster or DSP or just create their own app and then we ascribe to that. They don't have to go pay for these package deals that we're going for right now with our broadcasters, i.e. locally or internationally, right? That was something to see that, okay, they can take a stand when they need to realize, okay, the money is there for them to put that money in the pot for the teams. And the teams aren't having to go outside of the, the current ecosystem to, to try to get an extra 200 million a year, bro. There's enough revenue out there where you could just do exclusive packages for sports and we would just be ascribing to that because most of us are sports fans. We don't just watch one sport. Now we have to go to one platform to watch one sport, another platform to watch one sport, another platform doesn't even have the sport. So we have to now do online streams that are illegal. Nah, bro. All the sports should be available to us on demand if that's the case. Then, then we pay for what we want. Then it's one place, bro. Not the way you're treating us when you're monopolizing every single league, every single, every single team. And nah, bro. That's what they and the, when you when you create that model as broadcasters, these clubs realize why don't we go do it ourselves? Because in the NBA, the league owns the television revenue and splits it across the teams. You know, when the Premier League does that, it has to be an according split where you understand, okay, we have not just 20 Premier League teams, we have about 80 teams across all our pyramids, a hundred and something when you count our non-league teams as well. Okay, how do we make sure that the revenue is split accordingly? It won't quote unquote be an equal split, it can be a fair split then you won't see these teams complain because they realize okay that team being broadcast all the way in non-league feeds into our revenue up here so we don't begrudge them getting an extra couple million to make sure that they can put on a good product come on bro
come on bro so it's like that bad track we saw you know what i'm saying we saw homies do the u-turn like usher's out here in 2000 shout out because chelsea man city you can see they weren't in that model for anything more than just the revenue they knew that they didn't have the superiority to teams like an arsenal or liverpool or man united's owners who know that model far better so they know how to finesse it you know they come from that model their own teams in that model they're probably going to just make it unilateral where some of their teams if it's a baseball team or football team that side in america trades games and plays some games in england and then they just make an exchange where now you have to go watch london 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 fc play not even arsenal london fc play in seattle or colorado somewhere it's madness bro it's an absolute madness you realize that backtrack happened the rest of the teams came in only arsenal actually apologized to their fans but we as fans probably feel it's more just uh you got cut with your hand in the cookie jar situation and you're apologizing for the sake of you know what the child when they say okay sorry then why you say sorry then you like you know you should were you really sorry when you did it you know you ain't really sorry if anything you'll probably realize that your ass was sorry and you shouldn't have been doing it now you caught come on bro so it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see because Angeli and Perez the chairman of Juventus and Real Madrid respectively they're still gung-ho on this proposal so where to from here I mean we're gonna have to see a change you know because this is only the beginning if UEFA doesn't revamp the Champions League and the Europa League with the Club World Cup accordingly then you will see these teams continue to say we want a bigger stake of the pie because with the Club World Cup the Europa League and the Champions League you revamp those entities accordingly you even include more of a, a nation's club competition where you know the best teams across all the nations that are competing at a high level are able to participate in the eligible to participate in the your revenue goes up bro there's a lot more you can do with your current product you haven't maximized that and that's why somebody saw the fact that they could take something that you have and go try create something else with it for them to go be able to control because you're not controlling it properly so it's a it's a rude awakening not just for uefa for fifa and for all the other confederational entities as well you know for us in africa we've seen patrice mutipa ascend to that position now for us as south africans we feel we can have a direct conversation to be able to influence these things as a stakeholder that's how i'm beginning to think realizing before you just celebrate that as a win realizing okay he's closer to we far closer to this uefa situation than we were five ten years ago we can start to rectify some of this through our own value creation and our own intellectual property and let's start doing that as football fans i've seen that we've been awoke awoken in the in the regard that we've been to as to, to the fact that our our game is under under threat okay now what we're going to do actionable items you know we realize that we have a communion voice let's use it positively and affect some positive change in our lifetime before we wake up one day and this thing that we love this year beautiful game we call football has been utilized to create some freaking atrocious creation that we really can't look at so that's what it is on some positive news we've qualified for the semi-finals of the europa league we're up against unai emery's villarreal it's going to be a tough one you know it's going to be a tough game um i feel we should get through and get into the final personally so yeah man prayers 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 always um salvia prague takeaways defensive masterclass for me you know a 4 no win and we had they had seven shots at goal rather and zero on target and it was one of those things where when you're just watching the game you felt like they won't score whatever they try to do they won't score i like that combination of holding and pablo marie Xhaka didn't look out of place at left back although we were under threat you know chambers what a performance leno big yourself up you know that midfield combination of sabayas and parte i love it i love it i love it i love it when they know how to work together as they've learned how to work together now that attacking quartet bro like what can you say about it saka pepe Mil smith throw lacazette 
brilliant and i'm not just talking about them going forward it's about what they did in that defensive masterclass where to a man they were flawless they put their hands up and i love to see that bro i love to see that so at the end of the day um who needs possession when you can score four goals <laughs> you know because prague has 61 percent of the position to our 39 percent they made 586 passes to our 371 with 86 percent accuracy for them and 81 percent accuracy for us we were literally playing them on the counter-attack and every time we broke we looked like we could score in bunches you know it literally looked like that we, we could dominate them and score seven eight goals if we were literally on our key like that yet i'll take the four because it showcases that we have that within ourselves with that added incentive the fact that we don't like the mandem and they know we don't like the mandem and when they try to play physical with us early we let them know that we're here for that game and we're also going to play them off the park it was nice to see bro because that's the arsenal i felt Arteta came in with you know it was a thing where early on they were physical smart tactical fouling and all of that and still playing the football still still playing the football you know we can counter press you and get up on you and press you high up the field yet when we get the ball we'll show you what to do with it it was missing a little bit for a little while you know we had it after that Chelsea game in Chris in the Christmas break and we had it for a month and then it broke away now it seems like in this Prague game they found it again we'll talk about the Fulham game yet just to see that it's within the squad's DNA. They know that within themselves. And Miguel knows he can get that out of them. That was beautiful to see, man. The team selection is half the battle won or lost. And for Miguel, that's been the case across the board. Every single time we've had a discussion about takeaways from games when we've done well or not done well, team selection is top three of our, our takeaways, right? It's literally there because that's where we win or lose the game. You know, we spoke about the Mandem, Leno, Chambers, Holding, Gabriel, bro, Xhaka in that backline, Partey, Ceballos, Sakinho, bro, Emil Smith-Rowe, Pepino, Lacazette, like a blood closet, I said. Brilliant performance from all of y'all. Big yourselves up, bro, because we take a clean sheet and a good performance away from that game. You know, we should have we known something was fishy in football when we get a clean sheet and a good performance. Yet, we dealt with it well so far. We've averted the tide. We keep moving, right? So let's go on, win this Europa League, get back into the Champions League where we rightfully belong because a club like Arsenal shouldn't be thinking of trying to win the Europa League just to get back in the Champions League and then looking at our league position, we're fighting just to be in the Europa League place this season, bro. That ain't it. No wonder our owners are thinking some nonsense and trying to get into some European Super League. They haven't done well with this asset and it will behoove them to think you know from now on what would Dangote do because in that situation they should have thought that you know what I'm saying what would Alika do Alika would not put us in a situation like that Alika would back the team saying if the rest of them want to vie out let them vie out I'll back my football team because UEFA would what is it uh release some or relieve some of these stringent measures that financial fair play you know predicted and puts on some football clubs and then I can invest in my football team and then I'll make myself the biggest team out and they can play in the Super League and I'll be okay out here that's just a little side rant yet at the end of the day that's the principle they should use for now on because they should inevitably sell to Aliko Dangote if they're realizing what's happening right now they inherited Arsenal as a football team that was the most profitable football club in world football right now we're sitting in a situation where we aren't successful and we aren't profitable like we used to be it's not working for the Krunkers like it was right that's why they were spearheading a movement for European Super League sell to Aliko Dangote for us as a fan base we know we have somebody who cares for our football club we have somebody who also wants to invest in our football club to see us where we rightfully belong because you don't want that for us you don't you don't and we can't we can't hide from that you know so up against a team like fulham where crazy enough they have owners and they've had owners successfully where 
they want to invest in Fulham. Sometimes they can't reach that, they can't break that plateau of being Fulham. If that they had Arsenal and they invested the way they've invested in Fulham, we would be a lot further. So for them to get a draw against us, knowing that we had to fight for that draw, it was tantamount to a loss for them. That showcases how far we've fallen, Brody. And that showcases how far we could fall if we don't think what would Alinko Dangote do? If he had messed up Arsenal like y'all have messed up Arsenal, he'd sell to the next Alinko Dangote who wants to invest in Arsenal. So he's Dangote right now. Dangote, invest in the Monday, you know. So a draw against Fulham, like we said. I was shocked to see Matt Ryan start and go, you know, because I think in those two kids that we have that I always talk about, um, for me, Okonko and Carla High are the standouts. I saw he had, how I forget his name now, playing on the bench in the in the Europa League game. I see that, so I'll say two and a half goalkeepers, three young goalkeepers. You could have picked from, even a part of his name, Hilson, right? You could have picked from Hilson or Konko or, you know, Carl Hine. He goes with his son, Matt Ryan. I don't know why. He's on loan, bro. Couldn't crack it at Brighton, comes here to us. Not good enough to be a number one. Not definitely not good enough to be a number two for Arsenal. Why is he starting, bro? Didn't have a terrible game, I understand. Um, had a hand in the goal, winning us the second corner that allowed us for, to get that equalizer from Nketi. I get all that, yet come on, bro. Come on, bro. We Arsenal, bro. Nah, that's not it, man. That's not it. So it's like, come on. Uh, you start Hector Bellerin ahead of Cedric Suarez and Chambers, who has actually done well at right back. If you rest in Chambers, you play Cedric Suarez, bro. If you're saying Cedric is my backup at right wing back, then you start Chambers and then Hector will come back. If it's a part of me, if Cedric is your backup at left wing back for that game, then you start Chambers and then Hector's the backup right back. You don't start freaking Hector Bellerin, bro. What is he going to showcase to us? There's no market value you're going to build, bro. He's going to leave end of season. He should leave end of season. That's it. That's it. You give him the captain's armband, no how, bro? Come on, bro. Come on, bro. You see for yourself when you when you have to make a change to alter the team. What's the first? Who's the first man that you think of? I could I can take him off, and it's not really gonna lose me anything. I benefit more from adding an attacking player than anything. It's freaking Hector Bellerin. Come on, come on, Mikel. Respect yourself and respect us as a football team, bro. Because this is the game where shuffling Marie and Gabriel needlessly at centre back is now borderline costing us because that gabriel penalty i understand everybody having a conversation about before we get to the penalty saying the combination seemed to work where marie plays with holding and gabriel plays with louise that's not sustainable long term brody because marie is not at the age profile for him to be our starting center back and left center back where you have gabriel in your team just because he plays better with holding when in reality rob holding might not be the future for us at right center back and then saying that Gabriel can only play well with a guy who's 33, 34 years old and injury prone. Come on, bro. Get off that. They have to learn how to play together. And what better time than a game against Fulham where, like, honestly speaking, what are we playing for in the league but our pride? Play these man them to build up that performance and that rip and that rapport between a Gabriel and a holding. Not what you're doing, Mikael. I don't respect that, doggy. I don't respect that. So now we can get to the penalty where Gabriel, like you saw it, bro, literally, he sticks his legs out, he sticks his, his left foot out, and then he pulls it back, and he goes, oh, shucks, I pray they didn't see that. It's one of those, it's a timing thing, it's a rhythm thing. He hasn't played enough games consistently. He's in, out, in, out, in, out. You don't even know when he's going to play. Because that's the type of game I thought he was going to play in the Prague game and rest in the Fulham game, the way you've been rotating them. Then you rotate it to play Marie. We do well, we get through. Then play Marie in this game and then let Gabriel come in when he's going to actually have a run of games. If When you stop doing this rotation thing, whenever you stop it. I don't know, man. I just can't watch that because it's tough to see Gabriel continue to take blame for stuff that isn't always his fault when he is arguably our best defender. 
that's freaking crazy to me bro like and then in reality Mikael, bro this is just a talk to you right now it's not a tactical master stroke when you're covering up your own tactical errors bro it really isn't like you make that change where you bring on pep before hector realizing i should have started somebody who's gonna offer me more going down that channel pep has been doing well where i don't understand why he's quote-unquote rested for this game where this is the run of four games where you just play pepe right through cool El Nene starts. If Partey is available, play play Partey. You don't start El Nene in a game like that. He was running around trying a little bit too hard to impress because he knows he's trying to showcase that he's more than a squad player when he should be playing in his squad player role. In a game like this, if Partey is available, you play Partey. I'd have a conversation as well saying if Partey is not available and fit enough to start, you play Miguel Aziz. Let me see something of the future, not El Nene who's not going to offer me something going forward. He's not levels. Lacazette shouldn't have started that game because he's gassed. You saw Aboumeyang is having issues with, with, with his health right now and the malaria. Bless him, may he recover soon. Yet, if Lacazette is coming back from scoring two goals against Prague, Fulham is not the type of game we need him, absolutely need him to play. Balogun just signed a new contract. You can start him or Aiden Ketty in that game. Eddie showed you when he comes on that, okay, I can poach you a little bit of something. Come on, Mikael, bro manage the situation better you have the resources already to manage the situation better which scares me thinking when you have better players will you actually be able to manage the situation better or will we still be complaining about the same things with higher level players that's the only grab that i have in the back of my mind thinking with Mikel Ateta when this works out for us and we do rebuild our football club will he be the right man to take us across Will he be the man to lead us across? Or is it Moses and Abraham right now? Or Joshua, pardon me. I got my biblical reference wrong. <laughs> you know, it's wild, bro. It's wild because Aiden Kitty has saved Mikael's blushes in that game. After being marginalized for weeks and months. And you're seeing a situation now where Mikael has to be grateful to this light thinking. And in the same breath, you're thinking, these kids are going to be your future. You see that combination? If that's the type of game where Balu going to score into struggling to score a goal. And you throw on in Kitty. And Kitty can do that for you. In certain games, we can see that Balogun can also start games and lead the line for us and score. Hold up the ball like Lacazette has done. Right now, Lacazette's value is at the highest. Risking an injury in a game against Fulham, where that could actually put a team off against Bayern. I'm saying, okay, well, he does have the injury things. Yes, he scores goals. Why not just wait for him to be a free agent instead of signing him now with a year left in his contract and paying Arsenal £30 million for him? Come on, Miguel. Manage your resources better. So... We off that, you know, uh, that freaking European Super League fracas has led to a planned protest before the Everton game. You know how we are and where we stand. Hashtag Grunka out. Hashtag what would Dangote do? Yeah, that's every story true, bro. So we're coming up against this game against Everton tomorrow. Nine o'clock kickoff at home. Emirates Stadium. Um, we ninth, they're eighth. We can actually leapfrog them, although they would have a game in hand still. I mean, we should be winning this game. You know, we know us as Arsenal fans. Yes, it's always a fun game against the Toffees. Yet we beat them. Whether it's a 5-2 or 3-2, we get the result. You know, we get the result. And now we're coming to this game thinking, bro, I would take a couple of their mandem and their squad and my team coming into a game like this. Even their gaffer, I might even take over mine or in certain encounters, right? That's wild, bro. That's wild, bro. So it's a 217th encounter between Arsenal and Everton. In the previous 216, we've won 108, drawn 46, and lost 62. The first game was played April 5th, 1905. It was away, and Everton won that 1-0. It was a Division 1 game, and we got a chance to get retribution not too long after that. And April 22nd, we came right back, and we beat them 2-1 in the same League Division 1. We were at home this time around, so it's one of those things where... 
yeah they got they got us the first time round, and since then we've done pretty well against them so we should maintain our form and get the 109th win against everton in this game right real talk form guide wise um we've taken eight out of a possible 15 with a draw a win a loss a draw and a win not the best form yet we've seen with us this season sometimes we've in a run of, of five games we can take five points so it's like for goodness sake this is good everton unfortunately be on a slide for them three draws on the bounce with two losses before that so that's three points out of a possible 15 they need a win just not against us please you know so team news wise david louise Kerian tierney and andre lacazada definitely out for this game martin odegaard and pierre america boomerang would face late fitness tests with pierre america boomerang coming back from that malaria bout and uh what is it Odegaard was out with the ankle issue so yeah they may be back I have in fact them being back in my squad because for me I feel why rush them for a game like this you know no pressure make sure our best players are available for Villarreal because that's where our energies are towards those those two games against Villarreal in the European Europa League final pardon me that's what we need to concentrate on in the league play the best available players at that time and make a mixture with some of the young players is what I'm looking to do. So in this game, of course, I've seen him having quote unquote dropped burnt Leno for the Premier League games. I like it personally. I just don't think he selected the right goalkeeper against Everton. It's a free hit game, bro. We want to see some of these kids at a level where they will be playing week in, week out against, right? So against Everton, that's the level against a covered Lewin who's playing for England. If one of if an Otto Gonko comes in and keeps a clean sheet against a covered Lewin, that that makes you think a bit right that makes you think a lot more so i'd start him or carl hine and go with a strong back line of callum chambers rob holding gabrielle and granny Jacques as the emergency left back still thomas Partey in midfield i would put emil smith Rowe next to him instead of sabayas for this game i just want to see what emil smith Rowe can give me deeper in midfield allowing us to see a glimpse of what Saka can be in the 10 with pepe on the right side and martinelli on the left side starting freeing up nketiah or Balogun to start down the middle because i feel in a game like this a glimpse of the future arsenal could literally unlock that eureka moment in our in, in arteta's brain and in the boar's brain as well realizing that this overhaul won't really take us having to spend as much money as you think if anything you can actually spend the same money you thought on less players because you have a lot of the solutions in-house with an emil smith throw deep in midfield and a soccer in the 10 you realize well, i still have guendouzi i can sell torreira that's fine and then i can even sell Shaka if i have to sell a nanny knowing party emil smith throw i'm just buying cover instead of buying a starter right with Saka as well at the 10 if I buy Odegaard then I have competition there no way Saka can also shift to the right side he can shift to left wing back if I need him or the left side because Martinelli's there with Nelson I have Balogun I have Nketiah now I can invest 30 million 40 million pounds in a right center back I can go buy a right full back I can go buy a backup left back I can sell a Leno and go invest 50 million pounds in my number one who's 22 23 years old is going to lead my squad going forward that's smart money spent bro and this is the type of game where you can unlock that that ability to go do that great business down the line. And I feel for Mikel Arteta to take advantage of the opportunity that the football gods have given you. This is the one for you. So I'd have Okonko or Carl Hyde on the bench depending on who starts. Cedric Soares with Hector Bellerin, Pablo Marie, Elneny, Danny Ceballos, Nelson, Nketia Balogun. Um, of course, if Odegaard and Pierre Mika Bumayang are available, I'd have them on the bench. Otherwise that's my squad i'm predicting a a good performance from arsenal if we play the best possible players based on form and future 
production i feel you know if we can just get that formula right that balance right of right now you playing well and you have the propensity and the potential to play well for me down the line let's fuse this and maybe you can harvest some of this energy of a bukaya saka to get your levels up you know we're seeing what's happening down that left right side where chambers has come in playing with saka playing with pepe his level goes up so if you now know, okay, on my on my left side, I know that Martinelli's playing well. I can risk it. Play a Joao Lopez for a game like this. You know, those are the type of changes I want to see you make. Not risking, okay, my toss-up is Pablo Mario Gabriel. You're giving us more headaches than solutions, my G. Come on, Mandem. So you know how we got to do. We got to end it off right. Come on, you gooners. Let's get a positive result. I pray y'all safe. Pray, pray y'all stay sanitizing. Until we speak again, this has been a Loud Boot Podcast presentation. When Hybrid was home, please like, subscribe, rate, and review us on all DSPs where you consume your digital media content. Let us know what you think about what we do over here, man. Otherwise, we'll link up after the game. Peace.